Pardon me, I don't need the stool, which was crazy adorable. That was awesome. What an amazing morning we're having. Uh, A morning that I wasn't sure, I was going to say a morning I wasn't sure would come, but you know, I was pretty certain we were going to make it till Sunday. But how we were going to make it, whether or not we'd be able to be together, all those sorts of things, it was getting a little touch and go as a church. You know, what were we going to do? How are we going to make good on all of our plans and preparations for the Christmas season? And so to be able to be here on time and although you you all still look a little cold, you know, I I don't know about you, but when it seeks into the bones from this week and never being warm enough, it doesn't leave me anytime soon. But I also noticed our fans are blowing a little bit cool. So maybe that's part of it. Um, We'll just get some generators going and kick this thing. I'm sorry, too soon. Everyone's twitching. They hear the word generator and they start just kind of... I want to uh, take your minds back before the world changed this week. I want to take your minds back to, I don't know, say Monday morning. Maybe you heard that there was weather coming and that we would have some winds and some warnings and those kinds of things. I heard those things too. But by Tuesday, it was safe to say that my expectations did not match the reality of what we found out to be the case. Uh, What were your thoughts Monday morning? What did you expect to accomplish this week? What did you expect for all that you needed to do, the things you'd participate in? how to get ready for Christmas, all those kinds of things, right? What what were your expectations as recent as last Monday morning? And how quickly that all changes that now all of a sudden we scramble, we make do, we survive, we, as Pastor Tom so helpfully kind of set the tone for us this morning, you know, we, we look after one another, we figure out what the needs are, we count our blessings, we go through this whole rigmarole of of a reset of our expectations and that's kind of what happens to us over and over and over again in life doesn't it it doesn't have to be just a, a major power outage or catastrophic losses in terms of financial disasters and things but health diagnoses change our our outlook on things they change our future plans they change our mindset what are we folks focused on and fixated on now as a result of just hearing a simple sentence from a doctor perhaps or the news that we might get from our kids or from our bosses or anything that just change our lives. These things don't go as planned and then our expectations are constantly altered. I've shared with you all before, probably too many times, you probably can tell the story better than me now, but share with you all the, the, the story of how our marriage started between my wife Chris and I that when things started, we had expectations that things were going to be, we were going to be the greatest marriage that the world's ever seen in the entire existence of marriage. In the history of love, there would be no greater loves than, I don't know. I don't know what our thoughts were, but the reality of things came in that first year that our expectations were way higher than what our experience was going to be. And that was because we were looking to the other person to provide for us the things that they weren't equipped or even capable of providing. Not because she, I'll only speak for me, not because she wasn't a good person or wasn't because she wasn't the right find for me. She was incapable of meeting my expectations because my expectations were that she would meet all of my needs. 
fulfill all of my desires and just lay out this entire plan. She would fit into my life as I've designed it perfectly, only to find that she too was a human being and an individual and with her own set of expectations, desires and hopes and dreams. And it's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like we never talked about what each of those things were until seemingly the day after the wedding. I don't know when it all hit, but it was like, what is going on here? This was supposed to be easier than this. What went wrong was that our expectations, just speaking for both of us, and this is, I think, common of the human experience, is that they were in someone other than the the one who was capable of fulfilling all those longings. Those expectations were in someone other than, you guessed it, you're in a church, you knew I'd say this, they were in someone other than the Lord Jesus Christ. But we can even expect things from God. We can say, well, at least I'm looking to the right source. I'm going to God the Father. I am putting my faith and trust in his son, and I'm trusting in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can put our expectations in God, but we can put them there wrongly. James gives us the hint that we can ask God, we can ask the right person for the, for the right things in the wrong way. James says that you ask, but you don't receive because you ask by your selfish motives. You say, I want to spend this, whatever it is I'm asking of the Lord, on myself. So he warns us and says, you're asking the right person. You've got the right answerer in mind, but you're asking for the wrong reasons. It isn't just about who we ask, but it's about what we expect from him. And we may say, because we've been following the Lord or because his grace has been made evident in our life, that we might say, well, I have some expectations of God. And they are some things of uh, that I would find backed up in the Bible. If I pray to him, I expect him to hear me and to answer my prayers. I think that would be a great expectation to have. This isn't all negative that somehow we shouldn't expect anything and we should become the type of people who are just humdrum. Life's going to deal us a bad hand, so I'm not even going to worry about thinking that things could be better. This isn't what the gospel is promoting at all. I can go to God and say, I'm going to pray to him and he will have an answer for me. It may not be the yes that I want, but he hears me. He's faithful to absorb that prayer and to do something with it and to answer me. He's going to bless my sacrificial giving in whatever form or manner it might take. If I come to him and confess my sins, the Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. And he'll go even further than just forgiving me. He will continue to clean me up. He will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If I go to the Lord with those expectations, those are good expectations on the right person with the right motives. But negatively, we might say from our experience, well, what I expect from God is that he's going to be too busy for me. He likes those other people, but I'm a bit of a a trouble case for him. I'm more work for him. So he likes the squeaky clean ones. He's good to those people, but I seem to get ignored. Maybe he loves those others more than me. It seems like whenever I try to offer him something, it's too little or not enough for just the wrong attempt. He's not pleased with my offering or maybe just like everybody else in my life, he's going to ultimately let me down because that's what happens with me. I also find, too, that we 
get comfortable expecting that Jesus is okay with us just keeping him at arm's length and using him every once in a while as a spiritual touch point. That, that Jesus is good, he's strong, he's powerful, he is worthy to be celebrated, but I don't really need to follow him, I don't need to surrender to him, I can just kind of reach out when I want him, right now I need a feel-good religious experience, so I'm going to praise Jesus, he's going to give me that shot and I can move on. Maybe that's my expectation of what God is or what he should be in life. And the text that was read for us, uh, so excellently, by the way, ladies, was um, it, it is a great little story. I really love this little vignette. And I must confess that prior to a few years ago, it hadn't quite landed on my radar screen for its richness and its its depth. And we'll get into some of that. But there's a lot in this that would be a great personal study for you to absorb. This story about Simeon and how he anticipates or expects the arrival of the Savior and his joy and his elation for actually meeting him face to face. And then the, the, um, the prophecy, the blessing that he gives as a result of meeting him is incredibly rich. And there's an aspect of this that we're going to use Simeon as an example and say, this is how we should anticipate and receive the Lord. That's all fine and good. And that's what we'll do. But of course, the star of the story is always Jesus. Simeon is one who is, I think, matching what the psalmist would say in Psalm 5, where he says, Oh, Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. He's saying, as I can get started, as soon as I can get started, I am proclaiming something to the Lord. You hear my voice in the morning. I prepare a sacrifice for you. And I love this phrase. And watch. What is he watching for? What is he anticipating? What is he expecting? He says, I I come and I offer my sacrifice. And then I just kind of sit back and say, what is God going to do now? What an incredible posture to have, a devotional posture each and every day. This is what the psalmist is saying. I see this playing out in a man like Simeon's heart, where he is so eager and anticipating that God's going to do something big, something incredible. And if I can just be in the front row with my popcorn and say, what's he going to do? How's this going to go down? To live with that kind of expectation and anticipation, Simeon provides for us an incredible example. Simeon, though, like so many others in the story, is a relatively insignificant character. I don't mean that he was insignificant for his time, but the scriptures don't tell us a lot about him. We get this one little vignette, we hear about it, we see, oh, great example, great powerful moment and everything, and then we move on. Simeon who? This is the way... That God has used people of what we would consider lesser significance in his story, in his arrival. So what I want to do before we talk a little bit more about Simeon is let's make this about the star of the show, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And one thing that I think we have to really underscore here is the way that in which Jesus arrived is so different from our expectations. We've talked about it for several weeks that he came to Bethlehem, a podunk town. He came poor, which was not the way that a king should arrive. He came even to, um, you know, a humble family. He came to a virgin mother, a teenage mother. All of these things just mess with our expectation of the way the Messiah, the King of the Jews would come, the Savior of the world. And there's one aspect more that I think that we get to hammer home a little bit more today. And that's that Jesus arrived as one who would come in under the law. He had said in John 5 that Moses, who is the 
the guru, you know, law writer, all the Hebrews would say, Moses is our man. We understand Moses. We know his writings. 